0: it's so good to, it's because I got a loud voice too, so it's confusing sometimes. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord today. Um, We, as Anthony mentioned, we are uh, in our series that is titled the nine-week challenge. Nine-week challenge. uh, We are urging you to make sure that you're out with us nine weeks. It's, well, today's the eighth or the second week. So after today, we'll have seven more. Last week, we talked about identity. Uh, although that's not a spiritual discipline, it's, it's vital, it is important to know what our identity is, because when you know who what your identity is in Jesus Christ, when you've given your life to Him as your Lord and personal Savior, you know that you are no longer who you once were, you are a new creator, a, a, a creature, uh, creation, all these things, now you can start to apply these disciplines in your life. We've been talking about what? Discipleship. We've been talking about discipleship. We've been talking about how 47% of people in a survey who are consider themselves to be Christ followers said they don't make disciples, they don't talk to people about Jesus Christ because they don't simply know how. And so that's why as a church we're saying, man, we're taking these next few months really talking about discipleship. To live it as a disciple of Jesus, it really flows out from our identity in him. But it continues by producing itself into habits, into practices, into spiritual disciplines that that we have to live out. And so as we continue this nine-week challenge that is going to be covering various spiritual practices that's going to call us into action. It's not just going to say, hey, these are some things that we should be doing. No, these are things that we have to be doing. Because discipleship isn't just a, it's not just a decision. You just don't make a decision to be a disciple. To be a disciple means there's action that you are willing to take. Action in taking action which are going to help us to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And the way that we become like Jesus Christ is is to do what? It's to live. Like Jesus, and as we look at various various spiritual practices, we continue today at looking at one of the most vital ones to our spiritual lives. It's so vital that we're going to take two weeks and, to talk about it. But today we're going to be talking about, as Anthony mentioned, God's word. God's word, man. If you're gonna if you're gonna progress in being a disciple of Jesus Christ, you ain't gonna do anything if you're not spending time in this. If you're not spending time in the Word of God, week two of our nine-week challenge, if you're taking notes, it's simply, you can write this on the top of the notes there. It's read your Bible. Everybody say, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Today we're starting the first of two weeks on the emphasis of Scripture, of God's living Word. But before we can know how to read Our Bible. Yeah, today I'm going to challenge you to read your Bible, but before we can really know how to read our Bibles, we first have to discover discover what the Bible is all about. And that's going to be my goal today. My goal today is not to tell you how to read it. It's to tell you what the Bible is all about. And to understand that, we have to see how the Bible, in reality, it's meant to, to lead us. The Bible is meant to guide our lives like a treasure map to life with God. You know, if you, I remember now we all got these GPS's on our phones, right? I mean, but the reality is I can't go anywhere without a GPS. You, because reality has kind of made us dumb, because instead of us using our brains and memorizing how to get to places, just pop, top, pop in the address, right? But I remember before that when I first started driving, you know, the internet was starting to kick up and there was something called MapQuest. You guys remember MapQuest? And, you know, I would go on, type in the address of where I was going to go and it'd print it printed out. Either I had to follow each step direction by direction. Kids are looking at me like, what are you talking about? Or if you had someone next to you, I call them my co-pilot, you know, uh, they, okay, you got to turn left, you got to turn right. You had three pages depending on how, many, how, many, uh, how far the, the, the trip was, right? But I remember even before that, my father always had a map in his glove compartment. Specifically, if we were going to go out of town, out of the state, he had to, I remember, he would open up the map and take a look at it because the maps are are what guide us to take us where it is that we want to go, right? There's a depth of God's word in our lives, and the reality is that it has inherent value. So if we... to search for it, not when you look at the Word of God, not just looking at it as as flat words on a page, but words that lead, words that guide our lives to discover a treasure worth holding on to, then that is the beginning of knowledge and beginning of us taking these steps that we need to take. Psalms chapter 119, if you have your Bibles with you, and even if you don't have your Bibles, there's a Bible in front of you, and I want you to use it today. Specific, you know, this wasn't planned, but maybe God said, let's get, them, let's get them working, right? This is a trick that I learned, that whenever the pastor would say, hey, go to the book of Songs," what I would do is I'd take the Bible just like this. You guys didn't know you are going to get in-depth instructions today. And i kind of put my thumbs right in the middle of the Bible, and I'd open them up. And 99% of the time, I wind up in the book of Psalms. So when I tell you open up the Bible to the book of Psalms, grab the Bible, open it up, split it right through the middle. If you got to Proverbs, which sometimes happens, you just pass it, just go a little backwards, and you'll find the book of Psalms. That's my uh, tip for today. Psalms chapter 119, 105. Then you got to find the chapter 119, but this is what it says. You know, this is one of my favorite, and you guys probably say, man, Pastor, you're always saying this. It's one of my favorite passages of the Bible. It says this. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet. A light on my path. It says, once again, your word. Everybody say, your word. Is a lamp unto my feet. And a light on my path. In essence, listen. If you are not using the Word of God, then what you're doing in this walk of Jesus Christ is you're walking and and you're you're not able to see where it is that you're stepping if you're not using the Word of God. Listen, nobody goes into a dark basement without a flashlight. Or what's the first thing that happens when you lose power? Light up the candles, grab flashlights, turn on the, the flashlight on your phone. The Bible is telling us, the Word of God is telling us that His Word is the lamp for our feet. It is a light for our path. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you want to see where you're going, if you want to know where it is that you are planting your feet, the Bible is telling us that we are to use His Word as that source. And if you're not using His that, the, the Word, that means you're, you're, you're claiming to walk as a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen, listen. How many people know that you're not going to get very far if you can't see? Are you clinging to God's word as a guide to your life? Is a question that we need to be asking ourselves this morning. You know, there was a study uh, that was compiled over many years that revealed that the habit, the spiritual discipline of reading God's word four times a week, radically changed people's lives. You can look it up. This is actually called the study about the power of four. The study of the power of four. This study showed, the study read that eight years of research, that's a lot of research, eight years of research into the spiritual lives of more than 100,000 people consistent across all of these individual studies is the finding that engaging the Bible Four or more times a week is the strongest, listen to this, it's the strongest and most reliable predictor of spiritual growth. Out of this study of all these people for all this amount of time, it's shown that reading the word of God at least, how many times? Four times. How many days of the week do we have? So you got some time. Four times or more was the most reliable predictor of spiritual growth. Listen to this. This habit, that, what habit? The habit of reading the word, four or more times out of the week. This habit led to less struggles and more healthy habitual living. Some of us say, Man, I I I wanna I wanna struggle a little bit less. Some people say, Man, I want to have more, more, more healthy life. Are you reading the word of God? Is this a regular practice in your life? If we want to know how to read the Bible, which we're going to be covering next week, by the way, we first have to know what the Bible is. So today we're going to look quickly at what Scripture is. We're going to look at what Scripture says Scripture is, to be exact. The first thing that I want to cover with you guys, if you're taking notes, you could write this down since we don't have them up on the screen. Scripture is a guide. That's our first point today. Scripture is a guide. And one of the most descriptive passages in the Bible that describes what the Bible is and what the Bible is for is actually found in the second book of Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16. If you have, if you want to follow with me, you might as well. Grab the Bible that's in front of me, and I, I'll help you out today. It's page 1178. Eleven seventy eight. I didn't. I don't have that memorized. I'm not giving myself credit on that. I looked at it before I came up here, and every Bible is different. Just the Bibles that we have here in the church. So if you got a Bible from home, it's probably not eleven seventy 2 Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen. As you're finding it, one of the most again, it's one of the most descriptive passages describe what the Bible is. I'm going to do it like we used to do it back in the Pentecostal church. When you have it, say amen. Amen. All right. It says this. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good. If you were doing some homework or answering questions on a test, and the test told you what is the Bible for, you can specifically link it to this passage, and it says the all Scripture. How much? How much of the Scripture? All of it is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. You see, it's from this summary that we begin to see what the Bible really is. The first thing that we see is that Scripture is what? Is breathed out by God. This is the image that is formed from the start of the Bible. From the very beginning of the Bible, we see this image. God's Word comes from God breathing out life. One of the repeated things that we see throughout the Bible is the theme of God's Word bringing and carrying out life. Listen to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. It says, and God said, let there be light. And what happened? And there was light. God's word carries with it a creating, a life-generating power based on what we see in this passage. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it continues, and it says this. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became, what? A living being. These are all by the word of God. God's breath, it produces and it, and it generates life. You see that? This is a theme that starts the Bible and is carried throughout the Old Testament. God's word of the law in, in Exodus is what leads to life. In the New Testament, Jesus' arrival is God's word actually coming in life? This is vital for us to discover, church. It's vital for us to understand because it gives us the image of how important God's word is to us. When you see this, when you comprehend this, then you understand that God's word, it does what to us? It gives us life. It gives us life. No wonder why these people who are reading the Bible four to five, four times or more throughout the week are feeling better are struggling just a little bit less. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, for the word of God is alive and active. The word of God is alive and active. When you are reading the word of God, you're not reading this month's top ten, what is it, authors, sellers, whatever the case You can tell how much I read. You're not just reading a romantic Stephen King's latest book, that you read it, you see it, and okay, it was cool. It entertained me for a little bit. No, when you are reading the Word of God, you are reading something that is what? It's alive. It is active. We don't read these words as one to passively observe, to read and just go on ahead and move on. But they are words that are actively to be lived into. We can read it, we can apply it to our lives, and we can partake in it. And the reason that we first need to discover the life-generating power of God's Word is because when we elevate our view of God's Word, then we begin to discover the value in going and reading it. When you elevate it up and say, man, this Word is alive, this Word is active, it is true, then you value the time that you spend in reading it and spending time in it. Amen. Paul goes on in the passage to say that God's Word he also says in 2 in, in Timothy, he says his word is profitable. It's profitable. I, I don't know about you, but I'd like to do things that are profitable for me, right? And he's saying that when you spend time in the word of God, it's profitable. It's useful. It's helpful is what he's saying. What is it useful for? Paul says this, the Bible is useful for teaching. The Bible, what Paul is saying is it teaches us what is true. When you read the Word of God, you begin to see things that are true. It teaches you what's true. We were talking about identity last week, right? And how the world right now is like a buffet of choose what identity you want. Choose what you want this week. Next week maybe change your mind. But when we read the Bible, when we read the Word of God, it is teaching us what is true. And the Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It never changes. Paul also says that the Bible, the Bible is useful for reproof, meaning that it makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. Not only does it teach us what is wrong, but it, it, or not only does it teach us what is true, but it also makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. I don't know about you, but so far, this is something I want to spend time in. The Bible says, or Paul goes on ahead, that the Bible is useful for correction, meaning it corrects us when we are wrong. He says that the Bible is useful for training, meaning it teaches us to do what is right. Man, if I I understand correctly, although discipleship and programs and, 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 and groups and all these things are really good for the churches to have, but in reality, what Paul is saying, that if you yourself spend some time in the word of God, then you yourself can begin to train yourself, correct yourself, reprove yourself, teach yourself. To me, there's no excuses. Don't look for something. Don't wait for something to lead you. The word of God is willing to lead you all by itself. Start with this. Teach, reprove, correction, training. God's word isn't a dead text to be read from afar But it's a living text that is meant to help guide our lives. How many people here need their lives to be guided? Amen. And we start off by the word of God that is a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. It's a guide to how we are to live. But the only way we will hold on to it as a guide is if first we discover the value of God's word producing life we have to understand its value if something you know doesn't have much value then most of the time you're not going to spend time with it or spend time in it right understand the value of God's word because if we don't discover the value of God's word then we won't see it out we won't thirst for it we won't hunger for it we won't desire it because we don't value it his word has to be held over our lives in such a way that help us examine where we're going in our life. Paul says in the same passage, he says it this way, in the second book of, uh, of Timothy, chapter 3, verse 17. He says, so that the servant of God, who is the servant of God? is us. is you. He's saying the Bible is important. It does all of these things. Why? So that the servant of God, so that you, so that I may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, Paul is saying that everything that you need to do the good work of Jesus Christ, it's here. That that, that when you spend time in his word, when you spend time being trained and all these type of things, reading his word, spending time with it, that through here you will be equipped for the good work that God has for you. Yeah, you can get it off some, some books, listening to some sermons, you know, worship services. Those are all good. They all help. But if you really, really, really are serious about being equipped for the good work that God has for you, you better yourself be sticking your nose into the word of God and not depending on anybody or anything else. Because I could be up here telling you what you want to hear. Anybody could be telling you what you want to hear. But this is what's true. And if you're not spending time in here, then you can easily, easily be deceived. God's word isn't meant to conform our lives to a list of virtues, to a defined way of rule-keeping. It's meant to equip us to become who God is calling us to be. And you know what? God is calling us to be complete. Complete. So first, we have to see God's word as a guide for our lives. Amen. The second point, if you're taking notes, is we have to understand the scripture is a story scripture is a story last week we were talking about identity and we spent time talking about identity in the book of colossians chapter 3 verse 1 and through 17 at the very end of that passage we we read this in verse 16 so you're taking notes you want to jot this down read it later on colossians chapter 3 verse 16 this is what it says It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. God's word isn't just living. God's word is meant to what? To to dwell in us. Not only is God's word living, but God's word is also meant that it lives within us, in us. Listen up. God's word is, is in order for God's word to to dwell in us, though, in order for it to be alive in us, we have to discover that the Bible is telling us a story. Are you listening? Are you paying attention? The Bible is telling us a narrative of God and us, his people. God's word is an invitation into the story. The easiest way to see God or to see the move of God's story in the Bible is to see the four themes of God's story. I'm not spending time in this, but you can write this down if you're taking notes. The four themes of God's story. When you look at the Bible from beginning to the end, there are four themes. The first one is creation. The second one is the fall. The third one is redemption. And the last one is restoration. Genesis chapter 1 and 2. You know what we see there? We see God create. That's the first part. His presence is with us. You go to Genesis chapter 3 through 11, what you find there is man turns away from God. We call that the fall. If you go from Genesis chapter 12 all the way through the book of Matthew in the beginning of the New Testament, we see that God is working to bring redemption. And then when you look at the book of Matthew all the way through the book of Revelation, we see Jesus comes and he brings redemption and is now restoring all things new. When you look at the Bible from afar, from beginning to end, you go on ahead and you see all these four things, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. We have to see this story, church. We have to see the story of God that is found in his word If we only see scripture as a guide, then we're going to devolve the words of God into a formula to live. And we're going to miss the narrative of redemption. If we don't discover the story of God, then we can't discover our place in it. God's word isn't meant to be seen just as a story to be observed from afar. But it's a story that we are actually invited to be participants in. See, this is why this is unlike anything else that you read, these novels and books. And, you know, we kind of read them and 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 we kind of put ourselves into that place for that little bit. But the Bible is showing us that there is a story. And in that story, God is actually inviting you, the reader, to be a participant in it. When you're reading the Bible, especially in the book of Revelation, all these type of things, man, you get to be a part of that story. As a matter of fact, the moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you added yourself as a character. Maybe you don't got a name. But at the end, when the Lord of Lords comes and everything, you'll probably see your name in the end credits. God's word is a story that we are invited to as participants, a story told in God's word isn't one only of ancient characters and their lives, although they're interesting, but it's a story that also includes our lives. In order to see out, seek out God's word in our lives, though, we have to elevate it. We have to elevate his word out of being just a flat text and into being a living story to our lives. The vitality in doing this is that we need to see the whole scripture. When you read your Bible, remember that. Remember the four different parts. That it's bigger than what you're just reading in that chapter. We have to understand the whole story so that we don't fall into the temptation of isolating and cutting away verses to create our own version of the story. Because we can do that. It's interesting, as I was putting this together, I kind of found information about the, the Thomas Jefferson Bible not sure if you've heard of that, the the Thomas Jefferson Bible. But Thomas Jefferson, he created what was known as the Jefferson Bible in which he cut out verses that he didn't like. And he instead compiled a version of the Bible that better suited his life. Uh, We say that about Thomas Jefferson now. We're probably not cutting pieces out, but we're bypassing places. We're not reading certain parts. The, the parts, come on, man. There's, you know there's some parts of the word of God. You start reading. You start feeling convicted a little bit. You know what you do? Yeah, let's go over here. Let's go to a proverb. Let's go to a psalm or, or, or something of that sort. It's a, it's, a, it's a reality. Because the Bible, the word of God is alive, is active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces right through the depths of your heart. We can do this with our own lives. We can quote out verses. Sometimes you see us tw- on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. We're putting, we're putting out these verses that, that, that pertain to us. Or we, we're, we're trying to get a message out to that person, so we put a, a passage that's going to pierce them. But the reality is we can't isolate and we can't tr- chop verses to fit our liking, church. That's a, that's a waste of time. We have to read the Bible in light of the whole story. It doesn't always feel good. It's not always the most comfortable thing. But understand, you have to read the whole Bible. Everybody say, the whole Bible. Bible. Eugene Peterson, he writes this. I was going to have these quotes up, but you'll just uh, hear me read out his quote. He says, when we submit our lives to what we read in Scripture, we find that we are not being led to see God in our stories, but our story in God's. God is the larger context and plot in which our stories find themselves. You see, we read God's story to discover our story. Listen, just listen to that, how good God is. We read God's story to discover our story. Scripture is a guide, church. It's a story. And lastly, if you're taking notes, the third point is that Scripture is a call to action. Scripture is a call to action. James, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 19. This is what it says. You've heard me preach on this. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In verse 20, he says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, and as you've heard before, every time you see therefore, you have to ask, what is it therefore? Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Again, we discover an elevation of the power of God's word. James says that we are to receive. We're to receive the implanted word. Why are, to, are we to receive the implanted word? Because it is able, according to what James is saying, it is able to save your soul. We are to elevate the word of God implanted in our hearts because James says it can save our soul. We have to acknowledge and affirm these verses because they are revealing a power of God's word. And that is that it saves us. This right here, yes, it's a a book. Yes, it's just pages. It was printed out of a printer in mass production. But the reality is the words that are in here are more than just black letters on a white sheet of paper. The Bible instructs us that everything that is found in here will save your soul. Want to save your soul? Begin to not just read his word, and we're going to get to that right now. Not just study his word, but let his word. Remember what we talked about in the beginning of the year? Consume his word. Eat his word. Savor his word. There's a revealing power in God's word, and that, and that is that it saves us. But James, he doesn't end there. He continues in verse 22. This is what he says. He says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Everybody say say that with me. Do what it says. Do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forget what he looks at. I mean, that's, that's mind-boggling, isn't it? To look at yourself in the mirror, walk away, and like forget what you just look like. The Bible isn't a story just to hear. Listen to this, listen to this church. The Bible isn't a story just to hear. When you hear me from up here or any other pastor preach to you what's in the Bible, is not just for you just to hear. But it is a story to live. Bible is not just a story to hear, but a story to live. James, he says, don't merely just be a hearer. He's telling you, don't just listen to the word of God. Don't just read the word of God. But he says, be a doer of the word of God. Don't just listen. Don't just hear, but be a doer. James gives this final image of a person who looks in a mirror and he immediately forgets what he looks like as the image of someone who hears God's word and doesn't do it, okay? So if you ever heard this passage before, you say, okay, yeah, well, you know, what, are, what does it really mean, and you couldn't figure it out, that's what it means. That as foolish as it sounds for someone to look in a mirror and forget what they look like, it's foolish for you to spend time to read the word of God and not do what it says. So if you thought that dude was a fool, Are you doing what the word of God says? Listen up, church. The purpose of a mirror is to see and to know, right? The purpose of God's word is to hear and to do. It's like, listen, it's like you you, you see this recipe of something that looks good, maybe some steak and potatoes. You see this re- recipe, and you start looking at it, and you're like, oh, man, this looks good. This looks amazing. So you start researching it. You start watching videos on how to do it. Now you can do everything. You could do brain surgery by watching YouTube. And you start, wa- you start watching it. You start studying it. You take a step, and you actually go, and you go to the store, and you buy the ingredients, and you've got all the ingredients lined up. You've got the recipe right here in black and white. You've got the video right there. You watch it. Ready? Get set walk away, and you walk away, and nothing ever gets done again. How foolish is that? If you're doing that to the Word of God, listen to this, then you're missing the point of the text. If you read the Word of God and you've studied it and you've spent time with it, but now when the opportunity comes, you don't put into action what it is that you read. It's just like you walked away from that recipe and all the ingredients. You read it and you're supposed to do it. You read your recipe, you got the ingredients, cook it. And then you get to enjoy if you follow the instructions right. All that to say, be a doer of the word of God, church. Man, I challenge you, be a doer of the word of God. Verse 25 says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but actually doing it, he says, they will be blessed in what they He lays it plain out and simple for us. That if we look at the word of God, his perfect law, his word, which gives freedom, and continue in it, not forgetting what it is that you have heard, but actually doing it. Can I tell you, the easiest way for you to remember something that you've heard is by doing it. Okay? Because you can sit and listen to all the lectures you want. All the podcasts you want. Read all the books that you want. If you are not putting those things into actual physical practice, you are going to forget about it by next month. But if you begin to do it, you begin to do what it says, man, it becomes like muscle memory. That's what he's talking about here. You want to be blessed? The Bible says do here and do what it is that you hear. You want to be blessed? Read the word of God, study the word of God, apply the word of God to your life, and actually walk according to its way. And then he says they will be blessed in what they do. If we only see God's word, church, as a guide, which is important, that was my first point, we minimize its role as a formula to follow, if that's all that we see it for. If we only see God's word as a story, Then we minimize its role as a fable, a good story to read through. That's all. We have to see it as a guide and a story that prompts our lives to do it. We have to look at the word of God as a guide and a story that motivates us, that pushes us to actually do what it is that we are seen to be guided by and what we're hearing of this story. James speaks to the forgetfulness of our hearts. Don't just read it and walk away, church. Don't act like your life can. Live without it because that's not you. You need, a, you need it to give you the instructions that you are seeking for how to live life. Some of us are struggling in our walk. Read the word of God. It's, a, it's your guide. You know, some, now with these GPSs, the issue with them is that sometimes we lose, we lose reception. And now, has that ever happened to you? I've sometimes gone to downtown, then you got to go under lower Wacker Drive, and that thing goes, turn left, turn right, turn left, and it's gone crazy. And now I'm like, oh, my gosh. Am I going to make the wrong turn? The reality, and what happens, it has to recalibrate itself, right? Once you get out of that muck, once you get out of being underneath that Wacker Drive, whatever, you know, now, okay, reception restored, and you get right back on track. The reality is the church... Some of you guys were following the guide, and you were on the right track, but uh, you, you've kind of gone through some tunnels with some deep, deep walls, some of those tunnels in which maybe you've dug yourself into. And, and the reception is hard. GPS is going crazy. You don't have a map in your car because, well, that's outdated. But understand this and listen to this call, is believe. Believe that, 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 that you can grab this word, realign, recalibrate your mind, recalibrate your heart, and get back on track with this guide. Get back in track, and Jesus Jesus wants to go on ahead and lead you out of that place. Amen? Reading the Bible isn't meant to be background noise to our lives. It's words of life that are meant to be absorbed and actually lived We have to know what the Bible is if we're going to know or if we're going to try to live it out. And that's why I spent this whole day, this whole time today telling you what it is. What is the Bible? Why is it important? Why is it vital? And next week we'll talk about how to read it. But the invitation to live it out is what James says in verse 25. Because he says they will be blessed in what they do. And as your pastor, I want you to be blessed, church, in all that you do. The words of life lead us into an action that guides us into God's blessing. This means we have to believe in the power of God's word. And in closing, I want to leave you with this quote that, again, I was going to show you. This quote, that says this. This is what it says. It's from a Mike Erie. He writes this. We think of the Bible as a record of humanity's search for God. Listen. But the truth is precisely the opposite. It is a record of his pursuit of us. The Bible begins and it ends with God. He he is at the center of the universe. We are not. This is his story. And our stories find their proper place in his. Bible begins and ends with God. He is at the center of the universe. We are not. This is his story and our stories. This is where they both find their proper place. And you see, church, my challenge for you this week. My challenge for you this week, last week was, remember, is every single day, if you were able, we weren't able to get the QR code last week. And the screens were down this week go to our website, as Anthony says, look under the nine-week challenge, click on that, and it's going to have uh, uh, step-by-step action steps for you each day during the week. The last week was your identity. My challenge to you was every single day that you woke up, man, begin to out of your mouth, say who you are. I am a child of God, right? And so on. This week, my challenge to you is to simply read the Bible. Read the Bible. And if you need a little bit of direction, then what I want to challenge you to do What you'll probably find on that if you go on our webpages is, write this down. Book of James, one chapter a day throughout this week. Read the book of James, one chapter a day, each and every single day this week. Remember what the study said about the power of four that I told you, right? Four days or more. Four days or more reading the word of God drastically. Change the life you live. When I say that it makes life peachy, right? But it drastically changes. And I want you to try your hardest this week to read the Bible five days this week and to begin to see the effect that it has on your life. And Before you begin to read it, you just, Lord, clear my mind from any distraction. And whatever I read today, may you show me what it is that you want to teach me. Why? his word is alive and it is active. His word does not return void, the Bible says. I leave you with this. What is the Bible to you? What is the Bible to you? A book? Flat words? Or alive, active? A story in which you get to play one of the roles. And actually, you right, race to your feet. Close your eyes right there where you're at. And I just, what I want you to spend time doing today is maybe some of you guys need to recalibrate. Recalibrate your mind, just your life. Get back in tune with the word of God. Right there with your eyes closed. I want you to begin to speak to God. Speak to God right there. If you've kind of veered off track a little bit, if your reception is gone and you haven't spend, been spending time with your in his word, speak to him. Let him know. He knows it. But confess it. Lord, I apologize. I'm sorry for not spending the amount of time that I ought to be spending with you, being in your word. reality is that sometimes, man, the reason why we find ourselves stuck or or feeling a certain way, disconnected, whatever the case is, not always, but sometimes it's because we've disconnected with him. And so, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would hear the hearts, hear the hearts of your church today, hear their voices, those that are speaking out to you maybe are are, are coming before you and just really with the heart, Lord, of repentance, knowing that they have stopped participating in a discipline which is vital if we're going to walk this life that you've called us to live and to do it in a way that you've called us to do it. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would ignite that maybe even today this would be something, a message, Father God, even maybe partaking in this challenge, Lord, That you would ignite once again a fire, a passion, a desire for them to get back into spending time in your word, And Lord, not just reading it, not just hearing it, but actually doing it, Lord Jesus. Which is where the real transformation comes. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we worship you, Jesus Christ. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done. We thank you for speaking to us this morning, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, as we get ready to dismiss, Lord, that you would remind us, no matter what it is that we're doing today, this upcoming week, God, that you have called us to be the light of this world. You have called us to be the salt of this earth, that you did not call us to blend in, but that you have called us to stand out. And what better way, what better way to stand out And walking in your word. Walking as your word being a a light unto our path, Father. God, a lamp for our feet, Lord Jesus Christ. Give us the strength, Jesus. May we not be soldiers that are walking without their armor, God. Your word, Father God. Sword of the Spirit, you tell us in the book of Philippians, God. Without it, God, we are just so... We're, we're, we're soldiers without weaponry, God. We can only be on the defense so long. Let us remember and know how vital it is that Your Word is for us, Father God. And may we be people that hunger and thirst for it, Lord God. And Church, I dismiss you now with this blessing that we find in the Old Testament, in His Word. Church, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you all. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. And the children of God say amen. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. You are dismissed. Make sure you join us next week.